0: Bless Blessings to you. Well, good morning, brothers. Good to be here with you all on this morning. Before I start, let me just pray the prayer that I like to pray before I speak. Father, my simple prayer is that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, will be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Give us ears to hear. It was eyes to see. It was a heart to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And amen. What a blessing it is to be amongst fellow brothers and men of God. And um, I'll give one correction from that bio. I am ABD in terms of my doctorate. Um, I've done all my classwork. I just haven't written my dissertation yet. So I won't claim. Uh, doctorate yet till I finish that, but I've been ABD for the last three and a half years. So pray my strength in the Lord, because um, uh, it looks like I may have to just redo my entire thesis. But that's okay. Um, but Brother Hill, appreciate you, man, and all of you that serve with Ironman and and just come on a Friday morning just to be sharpened uh, by one another. Uh, it is. A great privilege to be called a man of God let me just get started with what my assignment is this morning I will start just kind of with a little light a few a few a f- <coughs> excuse me a few little light um, thoughts uh, before I get into the word experience comes from what we have done <clears throat> but wisdom comes from what we have done badly. <laughs> I was like, wow. That, that, that speaks to me, really. Automaker Henry Ford asked electrical genius Charlie Steinmetz to build the generation, generators for his factory. One day, the generators ground to a halt, and the repairmen couldn't find the problem. So Ford called Steinmetz, a wise man who tinkered with the machines for a few hours, and then he threw the switch, the generator's whirled to life. But Ford got a bill for $10,000 from Steinmetz. Flabbergasted, the rather tight-fisted carmaker inquired why the bill was so high. Steinmetz replied, For tinkering with the generators, that's $10. But for knowing where to tinker, that's (laughs) $9,900. And then Ford paid the bill. Wisdom. Proverbs 8 and 11 says, for wisdom is better than rubies. And all things that may be desired are not to even be compared to it. Wisdom. A very important word. In May of 2012, a 32-carat Burmese ruby and diamond ring that was part of the collection of Lily Safra, one of the richest women in the world, was sold at an auction. The pre-auction estimate for the sale was three to five million dollars, but the final sale price ended up at 6.7 million. It is believed to be the most expensive ruby ever sold. As valuable as rubies are, the Bible tells us that wisdom is far better and more valuable. No earthly treasure can compare to it. None. Wisdom, because nothing else offers the same protection benefits and blessings that wisdom does. Wisdom is what God Used to frame the world. Wisdom is what God used to put this universe in place. I was now I, I didn't do so so hot in science and all that stuff in school. I, I, I got through it. But I, I was looking at some some science of, of, of Earth and what's going on out there in space. And I believe it's Jupiter. Y'all correct me wrong. Jupiter is the largest one. Did I get that right? All you A folks that got A's in science. (laughs) And if I'm not mistaken, it's the middle, the middle planet, the fifth one. And I read where Jupiter is considered to be our solar system's vacuum cleaner. Where it sucks up all the stuff that could be a danger to Earth. Wow. It is so big that you could probably put all the other planets inside of it. Jupiter. And God says, I'm going to put it right there in the middle so that it will suck up all the stuff that could be a danger to us here on Earth. So it's amazing to me that God would use wisdom to lay the foundation of the Earth. But yet when you look out in space, Earth, Earth sits on top of nothing. Oh, I feel like preaching this morning. Earth is leaning, turning at the same time, but while turning, it's also revolving. Leaning, turning, revolving. And one if degree slip towards the sun, we would burn up. One if degree away from the sun, we would freeze. And all that movement, the God of the universe, God, that, Lord, is that you? God says, I'm going to put all this together by wisdom. It takes a whole lot more faith to believe that nothing produced all of that. So all the dummies who think that nothing can produce something, you just need to. Read the word. Wisdom, what is it? It is the Hebrew word, chokmah. It means skill or shrewdness, being knowledgeable, prudence, careful. It is the acquisition and the application of knowledge or information. You acquire it, but how do you take that information And apply. There's a whole lot of people got a lot of information. They just don't know how to apply it. Right. Wisdom is taking it and learning how to apply it. Now, the Greek word for um, wisdom sounds like uh, a woman's name, Sophia. And of course, uh, when you read Proverbs, wisdom is likened unto this woman. But Sophia, that word in the Greek, (coughs) excuse me, got this crazy cough, so I'm sorry about that. Um, means the same thing, skill, knowledge acquired. Knowledge acquired by observation and experience. And like Paul said in, I think it's Romans 5, tribulation works patience, patience experience. Experience gives you hope, hope maketh not ashamed. And God will strategically allow problems and issues and situations to come our way so that he could develop character within us God is not concerned about our comfort as much as he is our character and the way God develops character is through the crucible of trouble and problems and trial and tribulations and I was reminded of that uh one time when my battery went dead and I looked under the hood and I just looked at that battery and um I said wow As I looked at the battery, I saw the positive terminal where all the stuff that makes the car work is connected to that positive terminal. But none of it works without the negative ground. There has to be negative, a negative connected to the positive to make it work. And so God will use trial and tribulation and he will use situations and circumstances to develop his character within us. I learned that a hard lesson of that has been about 10 years ago when I went through the worst but yet the best situation of my life. It was, it was the worst situation because one of my children found themselves in trouble with the law. And... I am a member of law enforcement as a chaplain with the sheriff's department and uh, one who has raised uh, my children to be men of integrity, one who has lived out as much as I know to do or knew to do a life of integrity before them, Um, faithful to their mother, my wife, been a pastor all those years, still a pastor, chaplain. All those things, and I couldn't understand. And I, and I was one of those check mark uh, Dr. James Dobson focus on the family brothers. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Right? You know, Dr. Dobson, he, he's a big family guy. You know, spend time. Love your wife. Check. Love your children. Check. Spend time with them. Check. Hug them and love them. Check. Right? I was their football coach. I was the basketball coach. I was, you know, I was one of few men, certainly, you know, even black men that was president of the PTA of my children's school for a number of years. Nobody saw that. I was, I'm going to be involved. I was at all the teachers' conferences and and, you know, I was like, Lord, I'm not going to let ministry and my career and work interfere with my role as a parent. Check, 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 and yet I found myself getting a different result in um, the choices of uh, my children. One in particular, and there was another one I would throw in there too. But it was this particular time. I just didn't know. How, I didn't know how to cope because I felt like I did all that I needed to do to be successful. And I wasn't seeing success in my role as a father. And I felt like a failure and I walked away from ministry. I remember telling our congregation, I said, I can't lead you well at this particular time. Um, My Wife and I, we're going to take a 30 day sabbatical. And if we return, we'll let you know. I didn't say when we return. I said, if we return and I turned everything over to our elders and leaders and Gave them some instructions, and I just I just walked away, because um, I felt like, how can I lead a congregation and my my own family is jacked up, and I don't care if it's just one of them, one of them jacked up, all of us jacked up, right? Excuse me, I still got a little hood in me. I'm, I don't know what y'all. <laughs> jack, what does he mean jacking up? Jacking up a car? Or what is that? You know <laughs> Tow up from the flow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was feeling like a failure. And I remember during this time I read the book of Job and I got I found myself getting angry with God. Never took my hand off him, never stopped my devotion. But I found myself getting upset with God from this perspective I'm like, God, I've done what you've asked me to do, even in my own life growing up. Lord, I've lived for you since I was 11 years old. God, I was not. I married my first girlfriend, never done drugs. I don't never done alcohol. I don't even know what a shot is. God, I've I've tried to live my life in a way that pleases you. And in my pride, I felt like God owed me something. And I realized that God was coming after the family's biggest sinner of all, which was me, because I had the sin of pride and didn't even know it. It's the worst of sins. Because you can have it and not know it. God was coming after that thing in me through my children. When you have to stand in a courtroom and it's your son going before the magistrates, and you are a member of the very community that he's standing before, I ain't a good feeling. And I remember this one day feeling like a failure. And I sat down this particular day. I sat down and I was at a low of the low. And um, it was as though God pulled up a seat beside me and whispered these words in my ears. And I heard it like I'm telling it to you now. He said to me, if you are a failure, then so am I. And God took me back to the Exodus in my mind because um, you know, I've been a serious student of scripture since I was 11 years old, reading the Bible, studying, asking my mom. I'm a PK, so my father uh, was a great preacher, pastor. He passed away um, 11, uh, 18 years ago. My grandfather was a great minister. I'm, I'm a student of them, yeah, me and my brother. I got three brothers, and we're all pastors. Just, and, um, and we have one sister who's an educator, principal in the Atlanta area. And so we, we come From this family that just loved Jesus. My dad's been preaching since he was 11. We got pictures of him in a black robe, preaching all over the United States um, as a young man who knew the scriptures at an early age. And 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 that's the stock that I come from. And God took me back to the Exodus and said. and, And as I went back in my mind and I saw what he did for Israel, he said, how would you like to be a father of a nation? I let them, I took care of them, I fed them. I mean, before y'all had Golden Corral, I had food coming out the sky. (laughs) They had buffet manna, right? All you could eat quail coming out your nose, right? Took care of them. They needed no lamps at night because I was the fire at night, I was a pillar of cloud by day. I did all that a God and a father could do for a nation. And at the end of the day, they still rebelled against me. They still chose an idol God over me. And then I heard these words. He said, if the choices of your children determines how good of a parent you are, then I'm just as big of a failure as you are. Let me tell you, brothers, when the God of the universe spoke those words to me, it broke darkness in my life because God was letting me know I know what you're going through. Been there, done that, got the shirt and a hat for it. My shirt size is triple God size. I said, well, wow, Lord. If you are a failure, if I'm a failure, you are a failure. If the choices of your children determine how good of a parent it are, then you're, you're a failure like me. Wow. Then I heard these questions. He said, did you train them up in the way that they should go? Yes, Lord. I didn't say we'll go. That's their choice. Train them up in the way that they should go. Uh, Were you a good example before? Yes, Lord. Did you love their mother well in front of them? Yes. Yes, Lord. Then you did what I asked you to do, not give them to me. Then he told me, he said, uh, and later on when I became a grandparent, God told me something that blew my mind. He said, you are something that I'll never become. I said, how can I be something that you never been? You are a grandfather. I'll never be a grandfather. I'm only a father. And I'm a father to you, your children and their children and their children's children. Just give your children to me. That liberated me. Because, you know, people, our society judges people by how their children are. And that's why we, you know, people are afraid to talk about their children sometimes because they don't want to be judged. Now, I'm going to tell you something. What I'm telling you now wasn't even in my notes. But I asked the Lord when I got up very early this morning, I said, God, give me what to say. So I can have the biggest impact that I can upon men. So the fact that I was stirred to tell this testimony tells me that. Uh, There are some men here that need to hear and be affirmed in your manhood and be affirmed in you being a father and being one who has raised children but didn't come out so right. And you watch people who didn't even love Jesus at all and their kids look like they come out like the best of kids and, and you don't understand how that happens. But let me tell you something. There is no guarantees in what we do. We have to trust God. And, and allow the wisdom of God, amen, to, to undergird us in our life so that we can be led and governed by a different set of ideas than how the world views it. Now, let me just fast forward the story, and I'm, I, I'll try to get to as much as my notes as possible. That same son, that same son, that same son is not, he didn't finish high school. You know, it's a job of parents to get them across that finish line. You know, if you don't get them across that finish line, it's like you failed. This same son is an entrepreneur. He owns his own business. He got people working for him. And he said, Dad, I want to own my own business so I can give young men and, and, and men jobs men who have struggled in life like me who nobody would give a a, a job to because of their choices of their paths that same son beats me to church that same son worships when i see he he, he does mind dance too where he you know paints his face while he'll uh uh through a worship song um he, he he'll worship from i don't know if y'all ever seen that because I don't assume, you know, white people see stuff like that. You know, it, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, all okay. right. Owns his own company, and a few months ago, I had the privilege of marrying him and his wife. Awesome. And I look at his life, and sometimes I just, uh, I'm probably the closest to him out of all, that all my children. He's given me the most trouble. But the worst of my years were the best of my years. Because Psalm 119, uh, Psalm one nineteen seventy one says, it was good that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. God allowed me to go through a, a season of affliction because he was doing something in me and he was doing something in him and he was doing something in our family. And I remember coming through that, I went through a campaign of repentance. I said, Lord, I'm sorry, Forgive me, God, for blaming you or not or having this attitude against you, and there are two pastor friends of mine that that we cover each other, and I didn't let them cover me during this time. I separated myself from them, and I met them in the office and cried before them, and said, "Brothers, y'all forgive me for not letting you be a healer for me and coming around me." when I went through the worst time of my life and I asked them to forgive me, I brought my children around me and I asked my children to forgive me because I made choices of my children about me, how y'all gonna make me look bad. So I was being a pastor to them and not a father. And I learned some stuff through through those days. And it has given me a level of wisdom today that I would not have had it wasn't for those experiences the pain of my life gave me an education that I otherwise would not have and I got closer to the Lord as a result and I said God I would not wish what I've gone through on my enemy but God I'm so grateful that you let me go through what I went through because I learned some things about God that I would not otherwise learn about him. And the spirit of the Lord spoke to me one day and said, if you ever want to receive grace from me, you must give grace to them. Because we want to be hard on our children, but we want God to be soft on us. <laughs> but Jesus said, if you want to receive forgiveness from my father, you better offer forgiveness to others. And if you don't want to forgive others, don't even ask forgiveness from my father, because my father going to do just like this. He ain't trying to hear it because why do you want God to forgive you? But you don't want to forgive your son, your daughter, your wife, your 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 brother, your coworker, that person who have hurt you. And yet people hurt us all the time and we deal with them harshly. But when we screw up, we want God to deal with us gracefully. Man, I was not in my notes. God, where is this stuff coming from? Where is this stuff coming from? So let me try to be, because I, I got a little education, so let me try to stick to what I've written down. But you know what, maybe the Lord, wants want to do something different. Wisdom. Gained by what you observe, gained by what you experience. Can I tell you something? The very things you, we pray for God to get us out of. It was God who put us in. Because God understands that if you in fact, the scripture tells us that Jesus learned obedience by the things in which he suffered. Wow. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to go through nothing. We were well, the Lord. He suffered for us on the cross. Yeah. But then the Apostle Paul comes around and said, but you got to take up your own cross. That was Jesus cross. Yeah, he, he had his finished work, but you got a cross to bear. God has fixed it that this world would not have just an easy journey. It's supposed to be difficult. It's on purpose because we live in a sinful and a fallen world. Without the troubles and the struggles, you could not be developed into the man that God wants you to be. So he sends it to you, right? People love diamonds, but the diamond has come from pressured, a old dirty rock. With the right pressure and right circumstances and situations, it becomes a diamond. Pearls are expensive as they are, it starts off as dirt. In the right environment, it becomes something expensive. It's part of the journey. I'm grateful for my seasons of peace. I'm gonna tell you the other day, my, my this same son of mine, him and his wife, you know, w- when you get phone calls and or text messages, uh, at least from my experience with my kids, and it starts off with, Dad, what you doing? <laughs> I don't know, man, what you want. That's why that's, that's the question. What, what are you and mom doing? Get to the point, man. <laughs> Me and my wife, we need to talk to y'all. Oh, Lord Jesus, what are we about to go through now? And my daughter, and I call her my daughter in love. I, I, we stay away from the word law. Daughter, that's my daughter in love. Uh, uh, she says, <laughs> we tell her, she says, baby, you just don't know what we went through. So when any of my children start asking us certain questions, we put our seatbelt on. But my son wanted to tell me that him and his wife are looking to purchase their first home. And they wanted to tell us about it so we can pray about it and and uh, go to the house and property and pray with them for it. And I said, man, I can get used to this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but God gave me a level. And, and then I, when I look at it here, here I am. Tw- what is this, 2018? So twenty. 20- let me just, I guess I'm just supposed to talk about stuff. Exactly. Psh, put that down. <laughs> so uh, for, uh, I don't know, anybody ever heard of an organization called the Jobs Partnership of Florida, right? Jobs Partnership. Wonderful organization. Actually, they're one of my clients. Um, but f- since 1999, um, Jobs Partnership was brought from Raleigh, North Carolina to the Central Florida I was part of the pastoral team that brought JP to Central Florida. And um, when I went, and I'm a late bloomer as far as education. You know, I got married early, 21 years old, uh, graduated from West Orange High School, not far from here, at 17, turned 18 that year, but I, um, I watched my friends go off to college because I was so petrified of uh, a standardized test that I would not even take the SAT or the ACT because I never did well on those kind of tests. Now, give me a writing assignment. I'll blow it out the water. But that's not what it was. I, I didn't take those tests because I didn't do well. So I couldn't go off to universities and colleges like my friends did. So I started at Valencia and after about a semester or two, I was like, "Man, college ain't for me. Dropped out of college, started helping my dad at the church, became a youth pastor, just worked. And became a football coach at the YMCA. And I was just doing my thing. And then I ended up getting married. I fell in love around, what, 19-ish, 20. And um, we took a year to plan our wedding. Got married at 21. And so um, life just started moving along. And then and, uh, at, at the age of 27, the Lord called me into uh, senior pastor role. So um, I was called to plan a new ministry. And uh, so started pastoring. And there was this one event that we did for our young people to inspire them to dream about their future. And I was sitting there at the church supporting my wife, who was leading this effort. And um, they was talking about, man, you guys, you know, about going to college, You you know, just, you know, do all the things that you need to do to be successful. And I'm sitting back there and said, man, I haven't finished college. So here I am, 38 ish somewhere around there and I, I was at a jobs partnership event because I've been part of the organization since 1999 uh, as a board member or as an instructor and was, they had an event. Palm Beach Atlantic University was there so I ended up enrolling Palm Beach Atlantic uh, University. Um, and so, so from 2005 to 2006 I did my undergrad in two years. I remember in one semester I did seven classes, man. I was on beast mode. <laughs> Never had straight A's in my life but when I went to college some about having children, man, will give you some wisdom and some information. Man, I had straight A's. They told me I was summa cum laude, and I didn't even know how to spell it. Summa what? What y'all calling me over there? Right? I'm fighting. <laughs> Them fighting words. You call me summa? I ain't no summa wrestler. What you talking about? I know I'm big, but I ain't no summa wrestler. Right. And then I uh, found myself into a master's program. Pastor ministry is, all, uh, was, was, is, is what I've been in since 1993, so I, I, I was never inspired to go to seminary. And I, I really didn't understand why, you know, people would ask me, man, what seminary you went to, man? Huh? You know, after I would preach someplace and I would be so embarrassed, man, I didn't go to school, man. You know, I said, but I've been in church all my life. I've learned under the tutelage of my dad and grandfather, who are the greatest theologians in my book. Uh, and my brothers would tell you the same thing. And so that's kind of had that organic sort of seminary training. But all of my education was from, for, for business, management, leadership, and I couldn't understand it. And when I finished my master's degree, I ended up getting a call from the president of JP saying would you uh, be interested in being the next or new director for the organization. So long story short, I, I accepted that role. And from 2008 to around 2013, 12, 13, I was the director for the organization. And then um, the organization went through a reorg. And a year before that, the spirit of the Lord had had, uh, spoke to my heart one day, letting me know that I would need to go part-time because there were some other things that um, that he was doing in me. So I was like, man, how am I gonna tell them I can't be full-time director and I need to go part-time? Well, the Lord fixed that. So he fixed that by me getting called into the boardroom and I got nothing but rave reviews on my job. I said, well, we're getting ready to go in a different direction and we got a new position for you and it's going to cause you to go part time. And I found myself getting angry because my salary was cut in half and I think I let it show my face for just a moment. And then the Lord reminded me at that moment, said, didn't I tell you was going for uh, part time? What are you tripping for? You know, that's how God talks to me. What are you tripping for? right?" And I immediately put a smile on my face and I told uh, the brothers that was in this room. I said, you know what? I agree with this because my new role changed from director to ministry relations pastor for the organization. But it would mean part time. Let me tell you about God. I lost half my salary, but God spoke to two businessmen. One who heard about, man, I heard about what God's doing in your life. And he came into my office and he was telling me what, you know, he heard about what God I said. Yeah, man, I was trying to smile. He said, man, God just spoke to me to give you $10,000. Brother, I about fainted. (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna tell you, I started crying. I just weeped because when God, when, when I went part time, God says, I got you. Just trust me. I went on a missions trip to Bolivia, and uh, when I got back from Bolivia, another friend of mine called me and said, man, hey, I got got something for you. Uh, Me and my wife, we just wanna be a blessing to you. I said, okay, no problem, I'll come over to the house. Went over to the house. It was the exact same amount that the other person gave me. The exact same amount. And I said, God, you, you are something. You are awesome. I don't know how you're going to take care of me and my family, but God, you just showed up in a mess. That has never happened to me. I used to always hear testimonies about what God was doing in other people's life like that, but it was like, you know, I would rejoice with them, praise the Lord, but it never happened to me. <laughs> but this time it happened to me, and they channeled it through a nonprofit, and then, you know, it, it in some kind of way we, we was, they was able to, get it, you know get me the funds and but a year later those funds were exhausted and two things interrupted my life at that moment <laughs> the first thing was i was driving down the 408 headed to johns partnership and i looked at the downtown skyline and the spirit of the lord spoke to me like cupid would shoot the arrow in a person's heart to fall in love with somebody it was it was except it was a business arrow. I don't know what angel that will be. <laughs> and I, I looked at the downtown sky and I heard these words. Um, I want you to provide spiritual care in the workplace. Corporate chaplain I say, wow, a pastor in the workplace. Man, how does that work? Long story short, I, I went to my office, started researching and um, my research took me to someone who was already doing it. I I called that person, shared my heart and all of a sudden that person said, I tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you my username and password to one of the pages on my my website and down. I want you to download everything you need to start your business. Wow. That was God starting to move again because those funds were being exhausted. At the same time, the Lord spoke to me about starting this company where companies would hire us to provide inspirational wellness and soul care for their employees, my doctor office called that January 2014 and said, David, the doctor wants to see you. Uh, he wants to follow up with you. You know, I saw him right before I went to my trip to Bolivia to see what kind of inoculations I needed for um, South America. And um, so he said, I just want to follow up with you. I said, okay, cool. Went to the office. Talked to the doctor, and um, we had a nice conversation. And then I asked him, I said, doc, when is my annual physical? And he said, it's in a couple of months. But since you are here, let's go ahead and do it now. I said, okay. Physical went well, and he gave me a slip for my blood work. And I waited two and a half weeks because, you know, wasn't feeling nothing, felt good. Two and a half weeks later, I go and get my blood work done. And a week later, I'm going to, there was downtown, there was this restaurant by the name of Mix, I, I, I forget what it's called, it was a soul food restaurant downtown, in, uh, right by the arena. And I was, it was, I was supposed to have lunch with a, another pastor friend of mine. And I got this call from the doctor's office. And when I looked at my phone, it said, the doctor's office, and I, and I picked it up, it was the doctor. Now, first of all, Doctors don't call nobody. (laughs) Dave, we got your blood work, and I'm a little concerned about it. Um, Your white blood cell counts are are highly elevated. Now, now that's either infection or it could be cancer. Now, when he put the C word in my ears, I started shaking. I've never been to the hospital other than visit people to pray for them. Um, never had a broken nothing in my life. And I played football, basketball, never had surgery, never had to go to hospital for nothing. And, and this is uh, four years ago. Um, I was 47. And he said, well, I need you to go get some more blood work done. I said, yes, sir. And um, I, I lost my appetite. I just wanted to go to my wife's job and melt in her arms and just cry and everything. My friend showed up. And he he saw this look in my face. I said, man, the doctor just said I might have cancer. And I just kind of just about lost it. And so I waited. I was hard headed I didn't go the next day. I, I waited three days. Um, and I waited to pray. And I said, Lord, I don't know what I'm about to face. But I'm, I'm going to take these next three days just to prepare my heart. And um, God just walk with me, whatever it is. All right, so I went three days later, got the blood work done. Results came back. Got another call. My, 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 my white blood cell count had gone even higher. So now he's very concerned. So I need you to go to a hematologist, cancer specialist. So I found myself at this cancer specialist. They measured my blood and they were going higher. So now <clears throat> it's do not go past, go, do not collect $200, go straight to the hospital. <clears throat> so I found myself at the, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, the old Anderson. Um, which is the University of Florida Cancer Center downtown. And I was there for four days. Long story short, um, they did a bone marrow biopsy. And um, uh, the results came back that I had this condition called CML, chronic myeloid leukemia. And I said, wow, leukemia, man, that word. Every time I hear anybody with the word leukemia, you know, you might as well go on and plan for your funeral. You know, and so we you know, it's it was it was an emotional time for me. And so I said to, to the Lord, I said, God, you want me to start this company. But then I, I'm dealing with cancer. What's up with that? And that's how I talked to him. What's up with that? Lord? <laughs> I didn't hear nothing. So I just kept going with my plan, wrote my plan, business plan out, uh, incorporated in April, and I uh, gave Josh Partnership my notice and said, I'll be out of here June 30th, uh, June 30th, 2014, exactly six years. Because um, I started July 1st, 2008. And so they said, well, we want to be your first client. I said, well, praise the Lord, be my first client. And then one of the board members uh, who was uh, on, on the board there, uh, a brother by the name of Kristen Beston, who was the CEO of. Vermeer Southeast, you probably know about them and their tree chipping equipment they have all over the town. But anyway, he said, we want you to be our, our corporate chaplain and I have an office for you so you can office at our office, which is where my office is to this day. And so I said, wow, you know, God, you, 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 you're you doing it. And, um, uh, but let me just rewind for a minute. Before then, let me just see where my time is. Okay, um, all right. Uh, before then, I got, when I got the diagnose, diagnosis, they gave me some medication. They said, now, this is treatable. This, it, you know, if you've got to have leukemia, it's one of the best kinds to have because it's, it's treatable. you just got to take some chemo pills. So they gave me these little chemo pills. I popped those pills in the mouth. and you know They make me feel a little weird for about 10, 15 minutes, and I just keep it moving. Right? So I'm supposed to take those chemo pills every single day. When I started taking them, my numbers got back to normal. Praise the Lord. So I just keep it moving. And bringing us to this point, I realize that all of my experiences has set me up for the wisdom that I have for today. So now, being in a corporate chaplain's role or pastor's role, when somebody or their family member tells me uh, they've gotten some diagnosis or they... They're dealing with cancer. I just look at them, kind of smile a little bit, but not really. And um, and I can literally tell them what they're going through. I said, let me, let me tell you how you're feeling right now. Let me tell you what you're going through right now. How do you know I'm going through it? Ah, I know. My child, my children, I don't know what I'm going to do about this son of mine. Hmm, I know what you're going through. Let me tell you what that's all about. And let me tell you how God's going to get you through it. Everything that I have gone through was designed to get me to where I was going to. And God used all my experiences to prepare me for where I am now. Now I realize it makes sense to me why I was inspired to get a management degree, a leadership degree, because now I have to have private conversations with CEOs who are leading companies to advise them and to be able to serve them and to understand the language of the businessman. Because I am one. And then I've I've educated myself in that arena. So God says, I'm going to give you the education you need for the people you got to serve. And so everything that I've gone through. And that's why I said wisdom comes. Sophia comes. Hukma comes when you observe what God is doing in your life and when you look at your experiences, all your experiences is a development process that God puts you through so that he can take you to where he's leading you. Because wherever you land, when you look back over the slime of your life, the reason why I say slime, because I like I call it the snail rule. You know where a snail has been because he leaves his slime behind. The slime is the experience. The slime is where you've been. And when you look back over, you say, you know what? I'm in the position I'm in today, but I couldn't be here unless it had been for those experiences. For the pain, the problems, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Whatever God has for you, he has to take you through a a, um, a development process to prepare you for it. Because every last one of you got a call. Every last one of you have an anointing that God has for you. And let me close with this. When I think about anointing and wisdom, God wants us to have his wisdom when we sit in our chairs of leadership, when we are loving, when we have to love our wives and love our children, have to deal with hard, difficult circumstances. God, I have no clue what I need to give my son or my wife or or my employees or the community, or whatever you're doing. But God, give me your wisdom. But let me tell you how it comes. You got to hang out with Jesus. You hang out with him through prayer. You hang out with him through his word. And when you hang out with Jesus, he rubs off on you. That is what anointing means. Anointing is not this mystical. Oh, you got the anointing. Oh, praise the Lord. You are anointed. What what in the world does that mean? Anointing means a smearing to rub off, to rub on. And when God here's what that means, I'm going to show you what that looks like. When Jesus got arrested, Peter followed him at a distance. And when he followed him at a distance, he found himself warming at the fire. And Peter wasn't trying to he wasn't trying to advertise. Well, y'all know I'm with Jesus. Right. Y'all know. Yeah. They arrested him. I'm one of them. Right. You know, fact about it. He was trying not to be connected to Jesus because he didn't want to be arrested, too. But the moment he showed up, you're one of them. No, nah. first denial. Let me come over here because these people tripping. Hey, how y'all doing? How you doing? You, 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 you with the Nazarene, you, you're one of them. No, that's not me. He comes over here to this other place and warms the fire. And then this young lady says, you got to be one of them because your speech betrays you. You sound like him. Peter could not. He denied the Lord, but he could not deny him. Because other people saw it was the greatest compliment he could ever receive because people saw Jesus in him, even though he denied it. You know why? Because when you walk with Jesus for three years, when you hang out with Jesus for three years, when you listen to his word, when you when you pray with him and when you hang out with him, Jesus tends to rub off on you and gives you his anointing so that when you walk, you walk like him. When you talk, you talk like him. When you lead, you lead like him. When you serve, you serve like him. Everything about your life should remind people of Jesus. And Peter, even though he denied the Lord, he could not shake Jesus off of him. And even when I was going through my rough time, I had read so much scripture and been in church all my life. Jesus had done rubbed off on me so much I couldn't get away from him. And one thing I love about Jesus before he left here, he had a walk with he, he walked. He had a walk and talk with Peter. Peter, I'm get ready to go, man. I just want to ask you, do you love me? Yeah, yeah Lord, I, I love you. you. Notice how many times he asked Peter that three times. So he can let Peter make up for the three times he denied him. You denied me, I'm going to give you a chance to say you love me three times. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to let you. So you won't. So your last. Interaction with me won't be your denial, but it will be your affirmation and your acceptance, because I need you to preach that first message at the day of Pentecost. But you won't be able to do it without this walk, without you being able to say, make up to me what you deny to others. I don't need you to make it up to me. You need it to be made up because I love you nonetheless. But I, you need you to say you love me so that you can let the love for me overshadow the denial of me. I close with this. Wisdom is indeed justified of children. But wisdom comes with knowledge and experience. And when you take your experiences, just know that God wants to use it to give you his wisdom so that you can... Can I tell you something? This is my fourth closing. I I got about three more to go. That's black preacher's code. You know that, right? I don't even know what I was going to say now. Wisdom is so important God says, I use it to create the world, but I need you to use it to create the environments that I put you in to make a difference in. God is all about partnerships. He's not doing too much anymore alone because he uses us. I'm going to create Adam and Eve. That's that's the only time I'm going to do that. Adam and Eve, I need y'all to get busy, (laughs) do y'all thing. I'll create, but y'all got to do y'all thing. I'm going to give you my Bible. I'm going to give you my word. But I need you <laughs> 40 authors to write down what I need you to put in there over a period of 1,500 years. So the Bible is both the, the product of God and men. Jesus is both God and man. He's all about partnership. It's my company. But I want you to lead it with integrity so people can see me and not you. Your family is mine. I'm going to give your wife to you and your children to you, but they're really mine. I'll partner with you, but just bring me into the equation. I leave that to you, brothers. Be wise. And James said, if any lack wisdom, let him ask of God. and He would give it to you freely and will not withhold it. I am not wise. I'm not a wise man. Pray for it. Ask God to give it to you. And he will all the time. Give you wisdom, but don't pray for wisdom if you don't want <clears throat> the, 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 the process or the pain or the problems or the trials to associate with it. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for my brothers. Lord, I pray something was said to encourage somebody in this room. Lord, I had an entirely different message that I thought needed to be said. But through your spirit, I pray, I pray that I heard correctly, that I discerned correctly and spoke your word through my own experience and what you did in my life. But I want to say, Lord, it's not about me. It's all about you. I pray that out of all of this, they could see you and that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart has been acceptable to you.